Hello, halflings! Before we get into this week's episode, we have so many new patrons to shout out, yo. Like, we joined and did the big announcement with HeadGum, and there's a lot of people have joined the Patreon since we last recorded an episode. So we wanted to come on and do an extra special shout out to all of our new patrons, because there is a few of you. It's been a veritable avalanche of nadpoles. So without further ado, let's thank some patrons. Uh, I'll start us off. We have Isaiah Aries Christian. Uh, Jamal Cookmans. Oh, Jamil, Jamil. Cookmans. I'm so sorry, Jamil. It's, we've been talking about, we've been talking to Jamal today. Uh, we had a big business meeting with Jamal. Uh, so, you know, it, the name was on my lips. But uh, apologies, Jamil. Yeah. Jamal's really you. tightening the screws over here at TBH. It's, uh, it's we don't getting, want that to reflect you know, on you, Jamil. Tough. Yeah, we do not want to get you involved in that. Uh, we have John Edwards, uh, Jonathan Bogart, Rebecca Gabrielle, uh, Anonymous Oliphant. Love that. Uh, mm. And Ted Orbach. Thank you. Thank you. Squeeze. Yes. And I uh, will I will continue the thanks mm, with mm. Michael Prudel. I hope I have pronounced your name correctly, Michael. We looked it up, and that's what Google said. So, yeah, if, so. if I've mispronounced it, blame Google. Uh Next, we have Nabaley, we have Astrid Adler, we have mm. Travis Williams, we have Michael Bradley, we have Joshua Alkema, and we have Ananarama. I love that one. Ananarama uh, is not a beekeeper because there are, there is no bee at the beginning of Ananarama. Mm. Which is only funny if you've heard of Bananarama. <laughs> and I have got some more thanks to give to Afro Dutchman. Hell love yeah. It. Eric McDaniel. Ooh. Grace Kelly Miller. Whoop whoop. Shout whoop. out to No Small Rolls. Woohoo! Chantrell Every. Miles Barrett Duckworth. Damn. And Barney Fritz. Yes. Yeah. There's so many. So many patrons. Thank you so much, everyone. This, like, it, yeah, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week over here at uh, at TBH HQ, and we could not be more thankful that you have uh, chosen to come along for this ride. And I hope that you're enjoying all the goodies. There's loads of extra bonus episodes and things flying around on Patreon at the moment. We got uh, we did a deep dive on the rest of the rogue classes. We've done a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, all definitely. All the Wakanda watches, all the video all the watches. You'll yeah, get to see versions. all of the things that I mimed and never actually said. During the mm. during all mm, the mm. Uh, during all mm. of the Wagadu episodes, because I keep forgetting that I'm actually not uh, I'm being filmed and or excuse me that it's mostly being going to be listened to in an audio format. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that happens a lot. Uh, and also Luck of the Halflings as well. The Luck of the yeah. Halflings game that we played uh, with uh, Caldwell. If you haven't, you need to go and check that out now because it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, so without further ado, why don't we go ahead and get into this week's episode? Thanks, patrons. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing Accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Leganda Nati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati! And... Jeremy Cobb, but Terry Gamble calls me cobblestones and broomsticks. <laughs> cobblestones and broomsticks. Uh, that was nice. Strong. That was Strong nice. entry. Very strong entry. Yeah, very strong. Uh, we are super thrilled uh, today to be joined by an extra special guest. Uh, we have the DM of Transplanner here, Connie. Welcome to Three Black Halflings. How are you? Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black. Cake glitches and pitches. And lands in the cuffs of a pencil. Oh, no! On a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. We're about to get into something real big now. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very well. Uh, how are all of you? Couldn't oh, be better. Good. Very good. Very good. It's like my favorite time of the week, recording uh, the show, and even better when we have awesome guests on as well. Um, so yeah, Connie, uh, you are the, the, the DM for, for Transplanner, which is an amazing podcast, which you all need to go and check out. But we always like to start off these things with a little bit of like an origin story. It's what we always ask our guests. Uh, yeah, just talk to us a little bit about, uh, how this all came about. I'm always interested to know. Absolutely. So my, my GM villain origin story, uh, begins, I think, you know, I've always been like very much a nerdy kid, you know, very into books. Books were my first, first love. Uh, and then like, like superhero movies, TV shows, etc. You know what I mean? Like the, the power fantasy of that. Um, as well as like anime, you know, like really cool, you know, like the over the top, like super, you know, anime stuff. Um, and then take Tabletop games actually came, found me at a later period of my life, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, I didn't play my first D&D game. That was my first ever tabletop game uh, until I had graduated high school. Um, I had never just, I'd never been exposed to it, even though I'd, I'd always loved video games and very similar mediums. I played the occasional board game, but very much like a board game casual, you know, like Monopoly, sure. <laughs> Risk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrabble. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I get heated during the occasional family Scrabble night. Um, yep. But That's yeah. A word! <laughs> I know. And I'm like, look it up. And while they're looking it up, I'm like, is it a word? Um, we live in America. Don't use the UK spellings. I don't care if there's a U. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No use in anything. <laughs> nope. And the the different grays. How to spell gray? Oh yeah. I can't even figure out which country is which in terms of how that's spelled. Yeah, I always I forget as well. But the USA spells gray with an A, right? Is that how? I just made that up. Can I patent that? that? Is that a thing? Okay. Yeah. Okay, England. Spells great. Great with an E. e. Yeah. Oh, we did it. <laughs> we cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, my first ever exposure to what D&D could be, I think. You know, I'd always like been aware of it, you know, from a cultural sense. Like, oh, that's what nerds do in the basement, right? Like rolling dice and doing math, right? That didn't, that didn't feel appealing to me. But then I stumbled upon a little podcast known as The Adventure Zone that a bunch of my friends were listening to. And I was like, what's this nerd-ish? So I started listening to it and I was like, whoa, you can do that? <laughs> I was like, you can do that with a, with a tabletop game? Um, and I have to admit... 
at fr- I didn't know there were other tabletop games. I thought it was just D&D. Uh, yeah. And that that was like the only thing out there. And like Pathfinder <laughs> was like its like weird cousin, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after like GMing my first ever campaign, which was way, I learned so much from it. It was way too much. Um, I started getting more and more into tabletop games. I started running a more long-term campaign in college with uh, my then uh, crush, now partner, uh, as one of my party members. Uh, and it just sort of like spiraled out from there and especially after graduating uh, college I've been doing a lot more tabletop stuff branching out from D&D trying new systems indie games etc nice cool, very very cool. nice yeah I, I think everyone's had the experience of like oh oh there's like so much more than just D&D oh cool okay Yay. cool 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 <laughs> this is exciting this is exciting well this seems like a perfect time to maybe talk a little bit about Transplanner uh, I remember when we started Three Black Halflings, it really felt like there was like this, uh, there was a lack of representation and there was a bit of a, um, I guess a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a void, I guess, um, of, of that in this particular space. Um, and, uh, and I'm very interested to like, what was the thinking behind Transplanner? Like, was it about representation for you? Was it something different? Like, yeah, what, what drew you to the, to the idea in the first place? Totally. Um, there were two primary draws i think for transplanter one draw for me as uh you know as an artist and as a creative was was i wanted to tell a really cool story and share Mm. it with the world uh in a fun and entertaining format you know um i graduated college with a uh double major in screenwriting and critical race studies and so it's it's always Mm. been near and dear to my heart to be able to like share stories with the world um and you're you hit the nail right on the head jasper uh the other aspect was representation you know Mm. i was like well all these like podcasts and streams like they all seem first of all like very white you know and like also like very like cis and 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 head and there are like allies yeah. for sure you know and like the occasional like bisexual woman the cast right but she, yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. like always white you know yeah. um, <laughs> not to like name names but like you know it's, it's you do you but like it, that was a, a lack I was noticing mm. and yeah. uh, especially as a trans individual I was like Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop games in general are such a powerful tool to learn more about yourself your own gender uh, mm. your own gender journey like I am I am very much in the camp of I think every Everyone should examine their gender, cis people included, like not just not just from the sense of like, could I be trans, but like just like critically, like what are the roles, you know, and I feel like Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop games is there's such like a rich like playground for for exploring those those themes and topics in, in a safer way than you could like outside of play. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that's so that's so true. We've talked, we've spoken about it a lot, and and in, in, even in the ability to meet things uh, in a very kind of like safe uh, way, uh, things that you wouldn't otherwise meet in like the outside world, or maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable meeting in the outside world. And I think for like you know we talk about it a lot with meeting different cultures and having and trying to find different slightly different perspectives on on certain things that maybe aren't as um, straightforward as they as they would appear in the real world. Like you dive into and suddenly you can contact like African culture or you can contact something like that and I think it's absolutely the same way I literally recently played uh, started playing a character who was non-binary and I was like I was so kind of blown away by what the you know how little the the, the choice kind of impacted me as a player and I was like uh, and it's something that you know that's something that I've been um, I guess like analyzing especially over the last year or so is like my relationship to gender and how I and how I see it and so uh, I definitely think that Dungeons and Dragons has, has helped yeah. me in that perspective and I think can definitely help other people yeah for I sure. think like I tend to because 
like being being uh, presenting as um, female, um, but uh, been told my most of my life I come off with like a really strong masculine energy, and I'm like, mm. okay, what does that mean? Uh, just mm. because I can probably like flip you on the floor doesn't mean that I don't <laughs> like painting my nails and baking. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and I mean, I know I know I'm being really reductive because that's not what gender comes down to, but uh, but like I think that I tend to really enjoy playing D&D because nobody questions the fact that my character is incredibly hench. Like, it's not mm. even a question. It's just, it's fine. They're a fighter. They're hench. They happen to be yeah. a woman. That's cool. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, no one questions that. I'm mm. sorry, what does hench mean? Uh, jacked. <laughs> It's like a British thing. Yeah, it's a British thing. You yeah. don't have henched. You don't have hench. no. henchmen, but we don't we have, have the word hench. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that's what it came from. Wow. I think I think they may be related. Hench, yeah. and then you also get dench as well. Dench is more like if you're Judy? like really cool. Like you're, so you're it's just like making being... stuff up at this point. Like yeah. you can say anything. <laughs> Genuinely, there's like there's like a whole song, uh, 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 literally about Judy Dench being dench. dench. Uh, oh my it's god, it's a great song. <laughs> it's a really great song. It tickles me. And well. let's not forget yeah. Fench. And of course, gench. Okay, now okay, now Jeremy is making stuff up. That's for sure. Uh, Fench refers to a person who who dresses very stylishly, and mm-hmm. gench uh, refers to a person who's very wise. Okay. There we go. Well, I'll accept yeah. it as canon. I'll accept <laughs> it now. My next character is going to be called Fench. Judy Fench. Judy Fench. <laughs> um, so, uh, Connie, we are um, we are big uh, fans of world building, and um, kind of uh, all of us now are uh, home brewers and have home brewed settings and etc. And I'm uh, very fascinated by the the, the world uh, of which Transplanter is set, and uh, the the fact that you very explicitly say this is uh, this is like a non colonial uh, anti oriental world and I was like that um, Mm. I think going in like being like this is what we are avoiding there will be none of this in here you know there will be this you know I think it's a very interesting way of building world and I was just really fascinated by like what how you went about building that world and then like what uh, or did you feel like you needed to like research things and like Mm -hmm. how would you go about um if, if, if one of our listeners wanted to like set up a world like that or they were like, yeah, I want to contact a world where we don't have to deal with this. You know what I mean? How, yeah, how did you go about that process? Totally. Um, so basically, after I'd gathered my players together, uh, we had like a session negative one like pre pre session zero where we talked about what kind of campaign do we want? Like, do we want this mm. to be like local level? Do we want this to be like up to like a level 10 D and D campaign? Do we want this to be like an epic level, you know, campaign? And they're all like epic level. So I was like, Oh God. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll do my best. Strap uh, in. <laughs> yep. And then they also had a, I, you know, they had a lot of questions about the world, a lot of desires uh, about the world that also like that meshed with mine. Um, a, a common thread throughout all my players was they wanted this, and Dake is the name of the setting I eventually came up with. Uh, they wanted this world to reflect and represent cultures that are not typically represented in tabletop games uh, in mm. ways that felt respectful um, and not like fetishistic and like not reductive. Right. To like use that term that Unadi used earlier. Um, yeah. So you're totally right, Jasper. Like there was a lot of research that went into that because I'm right. I'm like a, a 1.5 generation Chinese American is how I would identify myself. Um, so like one of the eight 
primary provinces or countries in Andake uh, is is modeled off of a, a, a Song dynasty like China, you know, and I'm drawing very much upon those aesthetics, upon those like cultural values, upon like any like military conflicts that might have been happening at the time for that one particular province. Um, but the rest, you know, uh, my players expressed a desire for it to, to be diverse, you know, so like not just, you know, it's just like fantasy China, but they wanted like a, a, a palette uh, of mm. various other cultures uh, for for them to uh, be exposed to and for our, our listeners and audience members to also be exposed to. Uh, so almost every single province or country in Endake is based off of a different uh, real world culture, whether it's uh, like um, a period of, of Japanese history uh, or uh uh, indigenous Hawaiian culture, um, or like uh, medieval Indian culture, stuff like that. And I do my best to do the research. Um, mm. And it has been, it's almost been a year. Uh, I think our first episode came out June 2020. So a couple more months, three more months, and, and we're coming up on our one year anniversary. And I have wow. learned a lot <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. about the trials and tribulations, joys and rewards epic highs and epic lows uh, of, of world building uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> world building a setting of with cultural elements that do not necessarily belong to you um, mm-hmm. and I would say that there are certain things I've done that I think everyone can and should do no matter what your race is whether you're white you're black you're Asian whatever it doesn't matter and one of them is to interrogate how race the fantasy race works in your setting right so at character creation I made it very clear we're not going this is like pre-Tasha's like we're not going to be using race based ability score increases um, and like race based like features even sure Um, yeah there were some like specific like homebrew considerations based on like the uh, the specifics of the world for example I disallowed dark vision just due to how how the setting is set up uh nighttime mm. is is very bright so no one has evolved to need dark vision uh so the only sure. like creatures that have dark vision are like monsters in the world so that's like one like particular thing that's specific to the to the setting um but other than that i was like y'all have to uh build your characters in terms of race through like third party modules you know and i provided like 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 options uh, and the primary one was james intracasso's uh uh, rethinking race, I think, or customizing D&D races uh, on his World Builder mm-hmm. blog uh, that I really, really enjoyed. It's basically a point buy system for like buying ability score increases and like stuff, you know, like wings instead of like just all, you know, Arrow Coker get wings, you know, you could have wings if you're a human, who knows, you know, sure, or like yeah. fire yeah. breath. It's not just a dragonborn feature. Like you could mm. be a gnome with fire breath, right? And like, mm. like having that be a really fun and, and like modular way to construct your character. That's very cool. Yeah. Yes. So I, mm. that's like the, what that's like start number one, like to, if you want your games to not perpetuate harmful, like racial stereotypes or like further real world racism through like in game racism, right. Fantasy and real world race are, you know, there's so much overlap and, and mm. gray area when it comes to that. I would immediately, like my first recommendation is just like rethink how you handle fantasy race at your table, you know, and I highly recommend, you know, check out that those two, pages on Tasha's uh, that they give you, you know, (laughs) recommendations for how to fix. And there are tons of indie creators out there who are making cool content for that. Um, But before I like keep going on, like I'm curious to hear the three of y'all's like thoughts about this as world builders yourselves. Well, actually, I was going to say, Jeremy, like you've got you've developed something that you do in terms of like NPCs, which is kind of interesting, um, which might be worth throwing out when it I I agree. I think that dealing with race in D&D is 
it the the way that you deal with it, I think, should probably be slightly adjusted depending on who you are playing with. So if I was DMing for an entirely white group, I might deal with D with race and D and D in terms of the world itself slightly differently than if I was to deal with like a group where everybody was. Uh, of color. Um, but in both cases, that's, that's basically because the players themselves are going to have certain things that they are comfortable with or not comfortable with or used to or not used to. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, um, for some people of color, they may not be okay with depictions of fantasy races, racism in general in the game which is absolutely fine by me. Uh, however, if I was going to play with like an all-white group, it might be cool to have their whatever race they all play essentially be minorities in the world so that they get an experience of like, you know, it's, mm. but now it's not what I would say, the first thing I would suggest. Uh, but it is, it's, uh, I think it changes up Essentially, what I'm saying is tailor what you're doing to your players. Uh, in general, I would say if I, I, I'm not a huge fan of just including fantasy racism in a world just because I feel like it's often very cheap and easy. And as mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. Connie, it tends to replicate real life uh, stereotypes and tropes. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you can see that. I don't, if you even if you watch uh, like videos of uh, Baldur's Gate, the Baldur's Gate three mm. that's coming out, there's like depictions of like, oh yeah, all the goblins, all the goblins sound like this, like, and, <laughs> and it's like, well, does I don't know if that does something to your larynx or something when you're that short and you look like that, but it's it's kind of like this feels overly reductive, like yeah. I and. Mm. It I in in the game that I'm running right now I think that you were referring to Jasper I introduce I it takes place in a huge city that is incredibly cosmopolitan and so I explicitly said that there is no discrimination really negative discrimination in terms of uh, that is race based it is entirely class based there's like a lot of classism but uh, mm. no racism and. Uh, in order to, because it's a, it's an area where there, it's a melting pot of different cultures. I, and also because I was lazy, uh, <laughs> I instituted a thing whereby I can, I created a chart of all of the races that exist in, in D and D. And whenever an NPC shows up and I have not decided this NPC's race for, cause it, maybe it doesn't matter or whatever. I will ask the players to roll, uh, on the chart to determine what oh, this cool. person's race is. Mm -hmm. So it's eliminated any bias, uh, that I have. Uh, and it is because it, it what it ends up doing is like some stuff. I I mean, they're upcoming race combos. So I can Unati plays in the game. So yeah. I can't say what they are. But some of these are like, <laughs> you know, I never would. In fact, I told Jasper, one of them, I yeah, never would have associated uh, this race with this specific kind of person. Uh, mm -hmm. This is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, and so I think that is an effective way of eliminating bias on the GM's part. And I think it's, it needs to be just a conversation. How you're dealing with these things needs to be a, a conversation and a, a frequent and constant interrogation of how you are approaching 
these topics because as you said uh repeating myself and repeating you again connie it does have real world implications like you are making stuff up based on what you already know that's just how brains work so if you have any preconceived biases you're just going to bring them into the game without realizing it and then in Mm. turn that will reinforce what is already at the table exactly players so yeah uh, that's also particularly unhelpful (laughs) build a little racist stew that you're all just sitting (laughs) a bunch of potatoes sitting in your little racist stew do not disparage the potato like this. What has the yeah. potato ever done but show us love? Mm, it's potato wonderful. slander. Yeah. Yeah, we won't we will stand for this. Jeremy, Mm-mm. you're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everybody. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go chop up some potatoes and burn them. <laughs> He's still going to eat They'll them though, be really because even delicious burn potatoes though. are delicious. <laughs> yeah. 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 Potatoes in any form are delicious. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that I think that you're that you're right in it that um, when building these worlds, I, I tend to find that it's it feels a little bit more kind of organic for me in the sense that I try to um, create a very lived-in world and then try to acknowledge then if something comes up in my planning, uh, I can kind of I'll try and go oh that feels like it could be. Uh, uh, like that that could be a little bit problematic or I go or I look back and I, all my M, uh, my NPCs and I'm like oh am I going like the other way here like am I just am I like actively being uh, uh, like prejudiced against any white character that appears yeah. like in my campaign because uh, that's definitely happened at, at one point in my campaign where just every NPC I described was black a female uh, and just, I was just like mm, this seems this is unbalanced <laughs> like this is super unbalanced it's just a world um, of black women what can I say it's just a world of black women um, Heck yeah. And, yeah and literally every single every single um uh, uh, npc that was in any position of power was female every single one <laughs> they I reproduce back, asexually like, there's no honestly i don't see a problem with that it's funny be- no. that you say that jasper because every single white npc i've introduced has been a villain or like really <laughs> ominous yeah. oh, like very sinister <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, like in my campaign, this is essentially set in late 18th century um, Southern Africa, uh, when yeah, I mean. the people, when the English came to colonize, well, all of the white people came to colonize <laughs> Africa. Um, so only the black people are, can do no wrong. Well, not that it, there's obviously like, you know, obviously I'm still engaging with the political tensions that existed in the time amongst um uh, Zulus and Ndebele's in general but mm. um, yeah big bands are all grey-skinned paladins you know what I mean like elves oh, yeah. they're all just elves oh, so like yes the whitest of the the whitest like of the that, race like, we as a tabletop like community has have agreed that like elves are white people, people? so like elves yeah. are like oh, yeah. tiny, like aristocrats yeah, 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 they agreed yeah, yeah, yeah. they decided they took yeah. on the trope they cast themselves in the role yeah, yeah, they yeah, dyed yeah, yeah, their yeah. hair white they oh, did yeah, the whole yeah. thing you're right you're right we had nothing to do with it <laughs> yeah, 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 this was your choice. You uh, made this choice. I think my favorite um, depiction of a fantasy elf ever was if any of you uh, are fans of Dimension 20, in Fantasy High Season 2, they visit one of the character's grandparents, and it is by far my favorite. Like, he, it's, he's so ethereal and out of touch that he literally doesn't understand words that they say. So they'll be like, I'm a teenager, and like, teenager. teen age and like he can't say anyone's name who isn't elvish he just flat out can't pronounce it he's like my name is gorgug and he's like georgia 
<laughs> it's, it's just great. That is very funny. I, I think that, like, but I think acknowledging your own biases, though, can be like something that uh, you you can either like then change and rectify, or you can like live in it. Because lean in. Also, there is a part of me that's like, as as a someone who identifies as as black, I'm like, I grew up on all white literature and all mm, white, you mm. know, fantasy things. So if I want to make an all black adventure, that is fine. <laughs> like I can, I have the space to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you know, and I can give that gift to my other, my fellow black players who have mm. also had nothing but you know all white uh, uh, versions of these stories being told. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We can mm. have some of these stories too that are exclusively uh, um, you know black or whatever. Totally. When Lou Wilson was on the show, when he played on Wagadu, he said that was mm. the first time that he'd ever played with an all black group of people with even a black DM. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think every DM he'd ever played with had been a white man. That says something. I'm not That's surprised, sad. but uh, yeah, it is what I'm saying. Yeah. I can actually speak to the contrary of this. I, for the first time the other day, had a white DM for the first time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like how oh. was it? Oh, okay. Did you like it? Hey, I was like, it was different. <laughs> no, no, it was good. It was really good. <laughs> no, it was, it was a genuinely really good, but I remember just being like, I was like, oh, yeah. That's super weird. Normally, it's always a black person talking to me. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> he takes off the mask, and it's me. Yeah, hey, there we go. Okay, Whew, I can relax. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but no, like it's a. I think it's a. It's a. It can be a tricky thing to deal with. Um, I don't know if you've had this, Connie, but like, I feel like it's a very. It can be a very tricky thing to deal with because. Even as people of color, uh, it, you can identify like some really, really like unhelpful uh, um, like stereotypes and things that exist within yourself, or like things that you've been taught. And like, you know, I knew, uh, oh, I realized like last year there was like a whole lot of stuff that I internalized through through growing up in like a mostly white neighborhood, and like that, it, I, like especially then confronting that like in a in a game and a world where you control, you're like, wow, damn, that's. Really laying it bare for me right there. There it is, black mm-hmm. and white. I wrote that. Like, <laughs> and it's problematic. Damn. That, that happens all the time for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, it's something that I, I, I like to call like the burden of representation. Uh, I think especially mm. as creators of color, like as, as a Chinese creator, I always, I'm like, am I like orientalizing myself? You know, in this moment, mm. I'm just, I yeah. feel like... I feel like I have so much responsibility as someone who, you know, I'm not even like famous or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but I have like some semblance of some kind of platform, yeah, right? Yeah, anyone with any number of followers. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I feel like I have so much responsibility to like. This headgum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Like, do this shit right, you know? Yeah. Um, that, this, this always makes me think, like, I wish... I wish creators of color, I wish, you know, black and Asian, indigenous, you know, Latin, like GMs and world builders. I wish we would like cut ourselves some slack too, you know, because white people are out there like just like doing whatever. Living their you know? best And they get like 500 bucks a month from their Patreon. Just like yeah. doing yeah. like whatever the fuck the they're doing. You know? and, like, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Like, so what if I, you know, introduce someone with a bowler hat in a, in a world where England doesn't exist? You know, like, yeah. so what? Like, that's a minor yeah. fuck up, right? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just going to do yeah. it. What if I mention? So what if I mention spaghetti? You know, like, yeah. I can't always be pulling like cultural foods all the time. Like, that's that's, you know, that's also a lot of like brain space for me. Right. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. I'm yeah. to think about pasta. Um that it's so it like that's for for doing Wagadu. One of the hardest things is having almost an enti- for me. I have an almost entirely Western frame of reference, and mm-hmm. so like it would be so much easier if I had grown up in an actual African country, so that I had a frame of reference where I was like, oh, and we're throwing in this, and we're throwing in this, and we're throwing in this. So instead, I have to like actually specifically research, of pull up yes. lists of names mm-hmm. from each culture that we're presenting. Look up stuff about the culture. Look up stuff in the book. Like it's 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 a lot more work. But it's also like, I feel like if I, if I were to include something from my original frame of reference, it would be like, oh no, I've betrayed the setting and I've, I've imposed (laughs) my own Western standards on this game. And it's just like, man. Yeah, it's it feels like a no win. <laughs> but 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 I think that like part of the part of the thing here is that like a we I think we as uh, as POC creators hold ourselves to a higher standard in the sense that like we because th- we're so old, the fact that we're thinking about it means that we're already very unlikely to make the kinds of mistakes which are, would actually be hurtful to someone. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. and we are ready to hold our hands up and be like, "Whoa, I got that super fucking wrong. I'm so mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry. Let's rectify this. Let's." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which to some is degree, where it's I also think... the fandoms. I was yeah. actually speaking of the Adventure Zone. I don't know, Connie, if you have looked into the controversy that erupted over the depiction of Taco's race. Um, but it, I Griffin rem- McElroy. I had remember to... that, like Taco yeah. being a, 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 a Latinx person, right? I think was well. C- was that's that the, the thing. thing. They never, the, the McElroy brothers, there's a character named Taco in the Adventure Zone in the yes. first arc. And, <laughs> and it's literally a, a taco joke. It's like yeah, he literally just wants to invent tacos in a fantasy world. Yes, that's that's his his whole thing. thing. Yep. Yeah. And they, 
a bunch of the thi- the the McElroys I don't think ever really described what these characters looked like all that much. Uh, and so they left the, because they wanted to leave it open for the fandom to imagine the characters however they wanted to. And be amongst some of the fandom, uh, they decided that Taco should explicitly be a Mexican person in order to pay homage to the her- the heritage of the Taco. However, from the McElroy's perspective, they felt very uncomfortable about having created a character named Taco yeah. whose, entire ca- whose entire character revolved around building a Taco. <laughs> and and like, to like, canonize him as like, a Mexican, Mexican person. person. Yes. <laughs> and so they were like, let's dip- let- when we actually release because uh, they, they released a comic book version of their campaign. They I did, think Taco yeah. was originally, they were all three depicted as white characters. But then the fandom got really angry again because they're like, how dare you make all three of these protagonists white? Which is odd <laughs> to me because all three of the people playing are white. Oh, well, I don't so, understand why that's a problem, mm-hmm, but whatever. Yeah, people yeah. got really angry. So then they were like, oh, okay, okay, wait. We're going to change this character to be dark-skinned and we're going to have this character be green now. Like, Taco <laughs> becomes green and, yes, and I think Green. Merle becomes dark skinned and people like he is. But yep. Merle's a deadbeat dad. How dare you make him dark skinned? And oh my God. Taco's green. Oh. That's been used at times as a Jewish stereotype, a negative Jewish depiction among yeah. the Nazis. How dare and they're like, uh, okay, um, well look, if we try to make Magnus dark skinned, well Magnus always likes to rush in and get into fights, so we can't make him dark skinned. If he <laughs> like, became like a thing right. like if we make, if we make Taco dark skinned, then we're back to the we're back to the racist stereotype yeah. thing. We can't, we can't win here. It's a comedy of errors. Yeah. Have you ever seen, do uh, you ever used to watch Fairly Odd Parents? Yes. There's like an episode in Fairly Odd Parents where he just like doesn't want to stand out anymore. So he wishes for like everyone to be the same. And I feel like it's just like, we have to get past the point where like we basically will these, because effectively in that, the only way they could have won is if every single person in that it. campaign was a gray blob of the same height. Yeah. Yes. Just homogenize it. They're all Literally. just a Greendale human being. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. That'd be so horrendous. <laughs> but it's like, the, even the post he wrote is like, mm. he, mm. Griffin wrote an apology post mm-hmm. that is just, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. No, I just, thank, I didn't know all the intricacies of that controversy, but it just makes me think like, I wish fandom had responded by being like, great, this is some really cool content made by like four white dudes. What's other content out there? You know, yeah, like yeah, if they yeah, were yeah. really cared about representation, mm-hmm. could they have listened and reviewed other podcasts by people of color? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I wish fandom would do Take- that more. Take this energy you have and use mm-hmm. it to help people and who are doing the, the thing. thing that you yes. like and yeah. the thing yes. that is important. Yeah. Don't just rail against the person that got it wrong because they probably didn't even, like, do you know what I mean? They didn't yeah. mean it. They've apologized yeah. for they it. Ha- the thing about that is I don't think it's a problem necessarily. If you're four <laughs> white dudes and yeah, you want to no. play characters, it's, it's honestly, it's I think it's, a, quite, yeah. it's respectful for you to sort of like stay in your lane, you know, and be like, yeah. I yeah. don't know what it's like to be a black person, so I'm not going to try to pretend especially for like an audience right like yeah. that yeah. it's just it's a bit wow. it's, it, it's a bit like it's a bit like uh um you know i've seen critical uh, like uh, criticisms of certain shows being like all white casts and stuff and I'm, I'm like to a point i get it but also i'm like well you can't just like get a black friend to be in your show or get like a you know <laughs> what i mean like yeah, because yeah. that's just all, that's like, that's not, I would rather you just have your friends on the show that you want to have on the show. Don't be, don't call me up because I haven't spoken to you in a few years and be like, hey, do you want to be on this show? 
because you're because Twitter's mad at me because Twitter's mad at yeah. me that, that none of us are brown like it's just <laughs> it's like you know uh, yeah it's a bit of a like a lose lose situation I think in yeah that. Rather yeah. do a full on wash day for my 4C hair. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think it's, I think it can be interesting. It also, because let me start this. So, saying, I think it's a very valid point that you made, Connie, about uh, a person maybe not understanding the experiences of another person and so not feeling comfortable playing as that person. However, I think to some degree, if if we agree and we talk about it ahead of time and the setting itself is different enough from real world, we're from real life, that it, like, say you are, uh, say somebody wanted to play a black character, but they themselves are not black. But in this world, there is no history of racism against black people. They just mm. really liked conceiving of this character as a black person. And the character mm. is not some black stereotype. It's like, it's not any, it's not stereotypical in any way. They just really liked the idea of playing a black person in this game without, divorced from the cultural context. Now, I would not have an issue with a black person playing a black person that's divorced from the cultural context. So I don't feel like I would have an issue with a white person in that case playing a character mm. that's divorced from the cultural context because their you. their blackness is now less relevant to who they are than it would have mm. been if it was a setting that is a real world setting yeah. um mm -hmm. and i think and, I, and so i think if you are gonna i think that applies mainly for me at least in a real world setting that's closer to that has rules like where you are you are actually playing a character with an established real world heritage i think you need to have a conversation ahead of time being like hey guys by the way the fact that they're black uh does not like their their people were never enslaved uh there aren't stereotypes about them just because they have dark skin uh they just happen to be dark from a different part of the world like that's all it is mm, yeah. um i think then i think you can get away with it in a case mm -hmm. like that and it can actually be like it can bring some diversity because it, it what it also does is it humanizes i think those groups of people because you now yes. no longer think of a black person as a person who has to fit all of these categories because really mm -hmm. at a yeah. at our core any human race really just refers to slight differences in a population maybe mm -hmm. you your skin is darker or your hair is curlier or you have your eyelids are shaped differently your bone structure is a little thicker because you grew up in a cold uh, part of the world or your bones are thinner and longer because you grew up in a warm part of the world you maybe don't have body hair like that's really what it comes down to and mm -hmm. i think once we i think culture 100 matters but i think once we're able to uh, view each other as people rather than just a representation of culture because obviously you can go too far and erase culture but i think yeah. if you if if you don't if you can are able to look at a person as just like oh yeah this is a person this yeah, is a person totally. with feelings yeah. and thoughts, yeah. then it can be helpful as well. It can be yeah. positive in I think, that regard. I think a lot of the time, though, a lot of the backlash is usually coming from a place of, like, disempowerment and lack of parity. Like, mm. if we were if we were having this conversation and we were also simultaneously in, at other tables where, you know, lovely, well-meaning, you know, cishet white men are, you know, are, are, are like, you know, dominating the space. And if, the, if all those doors were wide open and there was parity then we would be it would be so much easier to then be like right mm. everybody have at it but until we get to parenting mm -hmm. yeah we are going to have this problem and people are going to get upset um yep. however can we try and get upset in a way like if you have issues with racism then you know like i, I 
one of the silly example, but like I don't buy certain hair products anymore that are marketed towards Afro hair because they're owned by white people. Now I have mm. to actively seek out companies that are yeah. owned by black women Do or owned research. by black men. And then I yeah. go, well, that's my protest. And it's, and it's for me, it's comfortable. It's simple. It just means I take my money out of here and I put it there. And then I don't mm. have to sit on the internet screaming. Yeah. Because mm. I've done it's, it's, you know, it's, is is exactly yeah. like you said, Connie. Just like take that energy and find other creators that are doing it right and yes. are nailing it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Don't scream at them and then be like, "But I'm still going to carry on watching because you know, like it's just like a really great show or whatever." Like, no, oh. choose one. Pink. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> you can't like, have your cake and eat it too, right? Like, you really can't. You've got to, You've got to start making some hard decisions. Yeah. If you're going to call someone, mm-hmm. if you're going to call someone racist, you can't carry on listening to their content if you don't think racism. If you think racism is bad, like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe, that's, maybe that's too black and white for me, but I'm yeah. like, that seems like a simple choice. Do you know what I mean? Like, me. just take yeah, some, because you're really real angry actions. over the racism. And yeah. like, because obviously, I think, I tend to think that everybody is racist, like just in general. That's just mm-hmm. how I think. And I, I, don't, I don't look at it as the people are intentionally having negative thoughts about other groups of people. I think it's just that humans as a species are inclined to be tribalistic and to create stereotypes about other groups of people. And therefore... Any any situation where you have multiple groups of people, uh, they are going to tend to develop a bunch of stereotypes, negative stereotypes about each other. And unfortunately, those are always going to be a law or if there's appearance differences, those appearance differences are usually going to be part of those stereotypes. And we live in a world in which that is exactly what has happened. And there's been centuries and centuries of violence and oppression, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so unless you're growing up in some country like you're like one of the Sentinelese people who has never never had contact with someone outside mm. of your group of people, you probably have a bunch of racist thoughts that you grew up with. And so yeah. you, you, you just have to interrogate them. So I think when it comes to and like and actually change them. So if it's if it's even if it's something like racism that you accuse a curator of being racist, I think it's the way that the manifestation of the racism is also worth looking at. And in the case yeah. of the McElroys, even if we were to say that them playing white characters was wrong somehow, I <laughs> I feel like I feel like the, the nature of the backlash was maybe inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. 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 this yeah. was not where they were not. It's based on I mean the level of inclusivity that they try to have in that show because they go out of their way to try and be inclusive. Mm. They, I, they do. It's it's like why are we acting like they deliberately created a full on <laughs> all white paradise like, yeah. in this game? Like that's not what happened. It, I think uh, the method as kind of tying in with what you guys are saying is also it needs mm. to vary according to what the nature of the so-called offense uh, yes. depending on what yeah, yeah in any given case I, I just want to go ahead no uh, no 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 you go I was going to say something stupid so you go <laughs> <laughs> great uh, I, I have I have four thoughts uh, about this conversation uh, my first thought about uh, the McElroys again is I think another reason why the backlash maybe was so huge and ginormous is that um, the fact that it was a podcast and there were four people who were a part of it. Sure, there was like a production team, but it it removed 
the obscuration that usually happens uh, with media, mm. right? Because if we see if we see a piece of a, a, a TV show or a movie, it's very obvious whether or not it's diverse. Just look at the look at the actors, look at who's talking. But what is less obvious is the makeup of the writers' room. Like who is mm. actually yeah. who's writing the lines coming out of this Asian person's mouth, yeah. right? Stuff like that, and like that. But there is just none of that. It is pretty transparent for the McElroys. So people are like four white dudes telling these stories, but you know, had had their own reaction. <laughs> you know coming out of their own whatever um my my second thought uh has to do with why specifically this this topic has come up a lot for me in the past couple of weeks like going on panels talking about it uh, other podcasts uh, this idea of like can white people play people of color right mm. like are are white people allowed to play black people in their tabletop games right and i think that that question is maybe the wrong question to ask you know instead of framing mm. it as can i do this am i allowed do i have permission you know to do this thing maybe think about like how would you doing this thing right make the people of color in your life feel right like mm. it, you know, just think about like, oh, if I'm going to play this like Asian person and I know Connie, ooh, how would Connie feel about me specifically doing this and, and performing mm-hmm. this this character in this particular way? And mm-hmm. also, um, I agree with you so much, Jeremy, that games can can help. Like, it's a question of empathy, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's a big that's a that's a big topic that always comes up. Like, oh, the like, games are a great way for us to learn empathy for other people, right? And for other struggles that we're not a part of. I agree to that kind of with a caveat. I think that games are most useful when teaching you things about yourself, right? Even if mm. I were to play someone of a different race, I'm not learning what it's actually like to be black. I'm learning what I think it's like to be black, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I sure. can't, I can't turn black. You know, that's yeah. not physically possible. <laughs> uh, so that's my second thought. My third thought is I just think that every time someone watches like Critical Role, they should go up like a Patreon tier for three black halflings. <laughs> like for every episode. <laughs> I just think that needs to happen. <laughs> uh, I fully I've, endorse this <laughs> message. Endorse that, that one. Yeah. And I have completely forgotten my fourth uh, thought. So Jasper, take it away. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, that was brilliant. I was just going to, uh, I just wanted to comment that Jeremy was making a really incredibly nuanced uh, and well thought out kind of like point as Yunati was struggling not to sneeze. <laughs> and it was one of the cutest things I've ever seen because Yunati oh went to go and went to sneeze. I, I caught Connie notice it as well. That, and then I nearly laughed because of that. And then but once the sneeze didn't happen, Yunati started pushing her nose like, <laughs> like a little button <laughs> to try and like, turn it off. I don't know. <laughs> and, and it worked. So <laughs> yeah, there was no sneeze. <laughs> Is this something that consistently works for you? Uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. If I touch my nose when I want to sneeze, it kind of stops. How did you discover this? It. I don't know. I just touch it and then it stops. Oh my god! <laughs> it's, is it like when is it like when babies start to cry and the parent cries back at them and the baby just stopped and is like what? Wait, and then it was like what? You just distract your nose enough that it forgets it needs to sneeze. I didn't think anyone would notice. I thought I'd done it. We all saw. We 
Jeremy was Jeremy was fully in the in the flow, like just like weaving his like weaving his way around this point. <laughs> me and God, me and God, were just we're like, like oh. <laughs> is it gonna? Is she gonna? It <laughs> was a whole like subplot. It's like suspense. This is one of those things. I wish that like the audience could have seen it, so there could have been a sense of like, is she gonna sneeze? Is he yeah. gonna finish the point before <laughs> she sneezes? Sneeze? What's gonna happen? Is she gonna be able to hold it in? I was trying to be respectful <laughs> to your argument. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. That was brilliant. That was so brilliant. That's awesome. Cool. So, Connie, one thing that we always do with all of our guests that we have on the show is we ask them for a Tales from the Table. Now, Tales from the Table is, uh, in our context, in TB Halfling's context, is like the stupidest, most like chaotic, uh, uh, ridiculous thing that happened uh, at a table that you've been in. Something that just really springs to mind. Uh, we've had some, we've had some doozies, so we always ask our guests to share them because they are, they're always very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh- <laughs> You know, I am in a very interesting position because I feel like something wild happens every, like, session of, of like, our stream. Yep. So I'm like, I really have to think about this. Um, let's see. So there are several different dynamics that happen, let's say, uh, in, in mm. the particular party that I run for Transplaner. Uh, so we've got Manaya. Uh, she is a very, uh, what, hench? Right? Half Hench, orc. Yeah. Hench, half orc yeah, fighter. Half, uh, and yeah. Is that, swole, is that yeah. the American equivalent? Swole. Swole buff. Yeah, swole would be the. Yeah. 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 Hench. Yeah. Definitely. Love it. Uh, Love it. She loves to throw our Osimar into battle. Like, she'll just pick <laughs> up Oka and, like, throw him. And Oka can, like, tw- unfurl their wings, right? Because they're an Osimar and just, like, dive right Amazing. in. And they've, they've taken on a, quite a few monsters this, with this, 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 uh, this, this strategy. Technique, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <clears throat> It's the they, they reproduce the next. fastball special. <laughs> no, you're not going to hurl oh, Mooty next. Please yeah. Connie, continue before you give on going to go over any more ideas. You can throw him away from danger. Maybe you can yeah. throw, throw him away, away from, from danger, danger yeah. not oh, into no, it. Yes, away from danger. You're really Fly. squishy. I feel, okay, he's squishy. Away from danger. But yes, you can definitely <laughs> use that. I encourage you to please do that. Um, something else is our our Eric Kokra is sort of. He's he's on the run from his former employers at this like research laboratory and it's it's sort of like a running joke that he's got this like watch strapped to his wrist that basically was a parting gift uh, from his his former employers that will explode uh, if he doesn't if he tries to take it off and it allows his uh, employers to track him. Uh, so there are quite a lot of jokes about this bomb watch, um, as well as the fact that he's he's a really bad dad because he's on the run. So he's abandoned his wife and his child to, to be on the run and be a fugitive. Um, yeah, it's interesting because our show is actually pretty, I would say it's maybe 70% serious, 30% goofy. Uh, So any big moments that come to mind are like emotional bombshells Mm. as opposed to like, oh, this hilarious thing we did. Uh, The most recent one I would have to say is our um, party was fighting this like uh, memory stealing monster that could turn invisible, Mm. you know, you know, the classic Mm. D&D, D&D beastie. Um, Mm. And one of them was hit uh, by its its memory stealing power, uh, and I gave the player a choice. I said you can either take a lot of damage, or you can tell me what memory you give up. 
right? <gasps> that you that you present to this this creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she chose to give up the memory of her and this NPC that she's had this like, ooh, are they gonna like, ooh, this is like cute. Uh, she chose to give up the memory of them having their first kiss. Uh, so I'm really excited for, for that relationship to like get super awkward. Like Rev, who's like this this buff drow woman, this hench. I have a lot of hench women uh, in, in my yes, game now that a I lot think of hench women. the milf syndrome, I, I, as I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Are they very excited. <laughs> well, they're you know hot older women. You know, they may or may not be mothers, uh, but that's that's okay. my GM signature if I if I had to have one. Uh, I'm excited for that, to twist that knife in my character's back that she has very, she's offered up to me. Um, and there's like a lot of, you know, uh, other emotional bombshells when it comes to like feelings of like, uh, of being exiled, of like obviously like missing parents, you know, like being a bad dad, stuff like that. So that comes up quite often uh, throughout every episode and, and is sort of like each character has their own like, what, like their glass shard, you know, lodged into yeah. their heart, uh, and and this campaign is their way of trying to unlodge that shard through the power of friendship. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> as, as a classic classic D anD D situation. Um, but transplanter is also very. Um, I realize this isn't exactly like a tale from the table. Like this is getting into no, 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 this like, is great. This is so great. This is just a quick uh, overview of the I know, yeah, yeah, everything I going on. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very personal campaign to me as well. Um, because I really do believe that the the best and most interesting stories, right, it, it, no matter the medium, uh, come from your own personal experiences uh, and things mm. that you can authentically speak toward. And that some, you know, some oftentimes has to do with culture and race, you know, especially as people of color. Um, but also, like, I struggle a lot with like depression. You know, so like the monsters I introduce in Transplaner, like are sort of like representations of how I feel when I'm like depressed, you know, like they're they're I call them like the empty monsters. Right. And they seek mm. to to make everyone empty. Right. In this world. Mm. Um, that's like a kind of minor spoiler, but I also feel like it's been pretty obvious. So if my players haven't figured that out at this point, I'm like, well, <laughs> well that's on you. Yeah, so I wonder why. I wonder why all these monsters are so weird and void like, and I feel so awful and uh, get nothing. Well, I feel nothing when I look at them. You know, like uh, <laughs> all these. Well, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. keeps accidentally calling them the Dementors. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> why does that happen? Why does that um, happen? But yeah, if if I had to have like a parting thought. Uh, for the end of this mm. episode, I would say like yeah. for anyone, you know, but white, white creators, especially like when you're thinking about like, how can I make my games more diverse? Like, it's great, you know, if you're a GM to like, because you control every other NPC, it's great to like throw in diverse NPCs, but also like consider how I would, I would contest that, you know, impulse, because I feel like that impulse comes from a place of, well, I've, there, it, European fantasy has done too much. I don't want to mm. do another Western European fantasy, you know, like game, or I don't want to do another Western European fantasy campaign. I want to do something interesting, something different, right? Uh, how can I, how can I represent cultures that aren't my own in my game, you know, as a white creator? Um, mm. I would say one, don't play D&D. Uh, or if you do, buy a <laughs> setting or buy a supplement that was created by a person of color, like modeled off of their own culture, right? There's like tons yeah. of content like that out there. Uh, or play play a setting or a system that was made by like a, a person of color that is related to yes. the cultures you're interested in exploring. Like I believe, uh, is the Cub and Caterpillar, is that... Uh, the Wagadu Chronicles? Yes, yeah, yeah. the Wagadu Chronicles setting. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So, so check check that out. You know, like there's yeah, tons of 100%. other stuff coming out for <laughs> sure. Um, my other piece of advice or my parting thought would be like dig inward. 
right? Like some of the best mm. work, hands down, like across all artistic mediums I've seen from white artists is when they dig inward instead of trying to represent a story that doesn't belong to them. You know, mm. like my partner is white and they ran, their setting was so good. They ran this really cool, like three shot, like D and D campaign where it was, they described it as, as like, as like dust bowl chic. And they were drawing mm. on their own experiences of growing up in rural New York, you know, like, like classism and poverty, you know, being poor. And like that had like some of the most compelling plot hooks and interesting mm. characters, you know, that I'd, I'd ever witnessed in a game and they were drawing on their own personal experience and they were white but it still felt very different from like classic like medieval european fantasy it still felt different and fresh you know so i i challenge uh and i invite white creators and all creators really to 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 look inside you look at the what are the specific stories only you can tell right what Mm -hmm. are the specific settings and characters only you can come up with and bring that to the table because that's what we need more of right not just like another white person being like i want to play a Japanese samurai, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So like that's yeah. that's sort of my Ooh, my, my cool uh, thoughts. Cruise. You know, oh that was oh that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> I had flashbacks of that film. <laughs> which which film was this? Isn't it what the Last Samurai or something? What oh was my it god! Called? Yep. Oh, you mean Forty yeah. Seven Ronin? Yep. Oh, that was Keanu Reeves. That was a separate. That, that was a yeah, separate thing. Another, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the Last Samurai. Yeah. Was that guy real? Was that a true story? I don't think so, no, but Anyway, I honestly, I love it so much when we have incredibly <laughs> eloquent guests on. Yeah. It just makes, uh, it, it makes the, this, this, these the shows so much better and these episodes so much better. Yeah. And honestly, Connie, that was, yeah, it was re- an amazing parting thought. And, mm. uh, and I really counsel everyone to go and check out Transplaner. Um, uh, uh, Connie, uh, where else can we find <laughs> you, like, on the internet? Have you, is there anything coming up that you want to, do you want to plug? Tell the halflings all about it. Heck yeah. Uh, you can find me personally on the internet on Twitter at by Connie Chung. Uh, by is in the authorial sign off, not the sexuality, though I am both. Uh, and I also run the Transplaner social media platforms uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, Transplaner RPG. Twitch is where we stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time uh, every week. I am upcoming projects. I am currently working on converting Transplaner's past streams into a listenable podcast format, like edited down with sound design. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that that should be dropping in june 2020 to celebrate our one-year anniversary our first podcast episode um Whoa. i'm also uh, working on a pbta hack uh, using pbta as the engine a hack of masks and urban shadows as well as several other pbta games um a, bra- uh, a new a tabletop uh, system called uh, uh the god killer uh, the god killer rpg game where basically you play someone who can kill gods in a post-apocalyptic uh fantasy setting sort of like mad max meets uh, the raven tower uh situation Whoa. going on here so if you're interested in like dark apocalyptic fantasy uh stay tuned for that uh Yay. and yeah that's those are my upcoming things that i'm excited to plug in and thank you for having I, me here. i uh, i need this i need this in my life yeah, now any, any i want to like i want to kill gods yeah. in a mad max world that sounds um, like yes. the coolest shit i ever heard of oh my god <laughs> uh thank you so much for joining us connie um thank you to all of you who listen don't forget that you can find us on the social medias at tv halflings um uh you can also find us on patreon as well which is uh, uh patreon.com forward slash tv halflings and uh we will see you very very soon look after yourselves so long shire folk so Hello, long shire, shire folk. folk bye bye meow <laughs> <laughs>